Hi, this is Greg Anderson, and this is the Living in Carver County podcast. It's an insider's conversation with the people who make Carver County the best place to live, work, and raise a family. So today is part two of our interview with Tom Workman. He's a county commissioner um, with Chanhassen. I have to look down at my notes here. Sorry, 1A7B, or yeah, 1A, 1B, 2A, 3, and ward, and ward number one in Victoria which he'll just explain is basically everything north of Highway 5 and east on the east end of Victoria. Um, so a few weeks ago, we had Tom on and we covered a bunch of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, the conversation was fun. It was, we were kind of going back and forth. And I asked him to come back and he was generous enough to agree to come back again. So, Tom, thank you. Welcome back. Good to see you, Greg. Uh, I'm not sure how the reviews went for number one, but... Here we are. So. <laughs> I like that you think we get a lot of reviews. That, that's good. Uh, <laughs> Number three will be compelling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, a couple of things we talked about last time. Well, first of all, maybe just give everybody kind of an update. What's, what's new with the county? Oh, not a whole lot. I mean, we kind of go into a little bit of a lull in the summer. I think most governments kind of do, but, um, and, you know, from the, you know, the, the things you're not paying attention to out there, uh, everybody's in full budget mode. So we're not going to pass a budget until December. Most people aren't aware of it until September when we pass what is the preliminary levy, but it starts usually in May. And whether it's your city hall or your county, uh, they're already deciding on 22 budgets. And the reason I bring that up quickly is because, uh, you know, most people don't really start to even, and most people don't think about it, but the ones who do start thinking about it maybe in September or October and uh, it's not as easy to do something about what they maybe want to do by then. So by the time people or most constituents are thinking about the budget, it's getting a little late. By December, it's too late. So I just, it's, it's one of those things that people don't, they don't pay attention to it. That's, that's normal. But, um, but but I've seen too often uh, people come in and complain about a budget. And I hear another elected official say, well, you know, we've been working on this since May. Where, where have you been? Well, it's not their fault, but uh, you should be aware. I think people should be aware. The sooner you can talk about an issue, the, the better. So, Okay. So maybe give an example of what that would look like. Because I think the budget's so... It's big and it's it, for most people, I think it's relatively abstract. So maybe give an example of something somebody would have or either, you know, past history or just a, a random example of something that somebody would want to see in the budget that would cause them to be motivated enough to reach out and, and uh, to, to connect with one of the commissioners. Well, it's not traditionally very, very, um, a detailed, it's usually a pretty broad idea that, you know, my taxes are too high. So, um, you know, we need, we need to do some things or, you know, they speak in general that we need, just need to cut, cut the budget. 
Well, the problem that most of us electeds have is we've been sitting in, sitting in it since May and year after year and go, well, where do you think we should cut it? Or how? Well, they, they mean generally. I just I want lower taxes. And so that their, their duty at election day is to, if they want lower taxes, is to elect people who hopefully like leaner budgets in their government. But so, you know, it's what I learned at the state capitol. You know, I got a great idea for a million, you know, it's going to cost a million bucks. Well, where are you going to get the money? Oh, you mean I got to raise taxes to, to do it? Okay, so... Um, the Congress operates differently. They all come up with trillion dollar ideas, but they never really are asked, well, how are you going to pay for that? I think the president is being asked, uh, you know, with a $6 trillion budget, well, how are you going to pay for this? But at the Capitol, they have to balance the budget. The county, we have to balance the budget. But here's the other, other thing I, I always see just about every year. For the budget, People come in and they want to complain about the budget, but what they really mean is the assessed value of their house is too high. Mm -hmm. So they're at the wrong meeting. So at the final budget meeting, we always have the assessor in the room and literally 99% of the people that are in the room at the final budget meeting really meant to be at the Board of Equalization hearing which is in June. So they can't do anything about the value of their home until June. In June, a lot of people think, well, that's a budget hearing. Maybe I should come and complain about the budget. No, this is the assessment. So it's kind of like this. Right. All the time. Well, and we talked about that on the last episode, and I've, I've got a lot of notes I wanted to talk to you about taxes. So can, if we can, so the budgeting thing, we can come back because I want to talk about taxes. Actually, I've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. So but, this is uh, the insomnia issue. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can talk about it now. I do this have, is a good podcast to watch at one in the morning. Yeah, I do. I have notes, so we won't, hopefully won't be quite as random um, this time. But uh, before we get too far into it, let's talk about the last time you said uh, we were talking about CARES money that was coming in. So you said, you know, was roughly what? Art, art money. Art money. I'm so, so sorry. Right. Federal, federal money, COVID relief money. So what is the acronym? ARP, A-R-P, so American Relief Program. Okay. All right. And, and you said that roughly that was somewhere in the vicinity of $21 million. Plus or minus. Right. And, and the CARES money. You're Pretty soon about. you're talking real money, right? Bless her. <laughs> well, uh, from last year, it was the CARES money. And that was 13. Right. Okay. So CARES was 13 and ARP is, the tw is an additional 21. All right. And so one of the things you said is if people had ideas about how, you know, what kind of initiatives um, uh, could be implemented that they should be contacting you. You said that you didn't want to have, if I recall something along the lines of, I don't want, we're not going to, as a county, we don't want to implement a plan based on this short-term infusion of cash that can't be sustained, you know, going forward, because obviously this is sort of like a, this is like a bonus as opposed to a salary increase. Correct. So with that in mind, how, you know, how are you coming on the spending initiatives or what, what are you, what are you looking at or where, where is that, where are we in that uh, timeline? Uh, the money's all gone and I'm moving. 
<laughs> oh boy, that's really fun taxpayer humor, right? I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that'll um, go over big for you know. <laughs> really, what uh, it's gonna, it, it's kind of coming down to two things, but one more really for the other, because I think what would still be on the table for me is the idea of a some sort of taxpayer relief, but that that again is sort of short term. Um, you know, if I cut your taxes by 500 this year, okay, but it'll be back to where it was next year. And so, you know, that's, that's sort of short, sort of short-term thinking where I'm spending a lot of time right now out in the community. And I think we were going to meet this week and I ended up out at humanity Alliance, um, instead, and I, my meeting went long. And so you and I had to postpone, but, um, you know, we're really looking at the places, people, we have gaps in our social system, which is sort of the affordable housing and food insecurities. And, and really, this is an opportunity. And I'm working with a lot of the community leaders, the Tom Redmonds and, and the Greg Pavitts and Mary Mavison's up in, uh, where is she, St. Bonnie up there? Victoria. Um, But bringing sort of all of these programs together, making them all more efficient, um, uh, plugging a a place where we're not seen. We have a, we have a hidden homeless issue in Carver County Um, for such a wealthy, healthy, smart County. You know, we, everybody, we're not immune. And so we have these issues. We recently, said no to a partnership with Scott County and the Beacon folks to build a, uh, what they're going to build down in Shakopee, uh, the, the east side of downtown Shakopee, uh, uh, for severe homeless over there, sending Carver County money over there to build their thing and then hopefully, you know, have the opportunity to send some homeless from Carver County over there. It just got a little too fuzzy. We said no. What can we do better over here for our actual uh, residents? And so there's a lot of these different social, I mean, that's what Carver, you know, counties do. They do a lot of social service stuff, but bringing it all together and making it a, a, a very efficient uh, opportunity for people who are down on their luck. And so it really seems like we're sort of going there. Um, I set up a nice, uh, meeting with a whole bunch of these people for August 10th. So we're going to, we're going to all get together, look at financing options. There's a nonprofit bonding options. The County could do Anoka counties, the county's doing it, but should we go to some sort of a bonding situation when we do have all this money and can we use this money? So the people, a lot of the people that are going to be there, Julie Frick from the CDA, you're certainly welcome, Greg. I know you're involved there. I appointed you to the CDA. <laughs> and, and uh, but um, uh, Frischman, our finance director, and Hemsey, and, and all the people who can say, yeah, this is sort of, we want to know the money piece. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Can we use this? Is this the way to go? But we're, we're open for, for all ideas. Um, uh, but, but, and this is sort of an idea that people aren't that aware of, but, but the county is responsible for. So how can we do this better? 
We're not trying to create a homeless problem. We're trying to take care of what, what is already there, but do it efficiently and bring them in. People leave programs, um, all sorts of different programs, alcohol and drug programs. Where do they go? Where do they go next? We're looking at the where do they go next part. Yeah. And, so. it, and, and I, I mean, I, that makes sense for me that you would be have an interest in that given your involvement with mental health at the county level, because generally these things tend to go kind of hand in hand and, and, and uh, at least from, you know, other guests that we've had on the show, they talk about from just purely, you know, set the moral issue aside and just deal with it on a purely economic basis, that it makes sense to pour into some of these people from a long-term thing, as opposed to simply ignoring it. And the problem continues to get worse and more profound. And the cost, ultimately the cost of incarceration is much higher than, in, than, you know, leaning into people earlier, uh, you know, upstream. So, right. Um, well, and, and that mental health issue is something uh, I, I, you know, is really a big issue. And um, it doesn't, you know, and when it, when it finally permeates uh, into the public, you know, police officers have to deal with it. And, and you know, the debate about that, that's a, a constant debate these days. So um, we're, we're almost ready to open the doors at our mental health uh, facility in Victoria or sorry, it's probably Chaska, Chaska near Bavaria. So that was a major component uh, of this. Uh, it's taken way too long to get it open because we added on to it. It seems like it took, it's taking too long, but you know, we, we were having to send these people up to Fargo or down to Mankato or even out state because we have to deal with the, with the situation. So, <clears throat> so, the, but that is one of the big comp components, but when a person leaves teen challenge in Minneapolis successfully it's a very successful program where's their job where's their housing where are they eating they're coming here we want that to be a package job housing something something they can do from a successful program to come here be continue to be successful and rise up then call up greg anderson say i want to buy a big house and well, it is kind of, I mean, it's really what Launch is involved with is taking people and kind of, it's creating that bridge and connecting, you know, getting them onto that next chapter. You right. Know? And I think from an investment standpoint, we've had a lot of guests that keep talking about that that's, that those dollars are really well spent dollars because they're dollars now as opposed to, you know, hundreds of dollars later. So. Right. You and you in in one of the things we didn't talk we didn't touch on because but we talked about it last time is you know your perspective on this is a little bit different as the executive board in charge of county services of which one you know there's the uh, the court system and then there's the sheriff's department so these things kind of go lockstep right I mean this you know I think I don't think there's any lucid person when they talk about defunding police for example you know I don't think there's any lucid person that thinks we should have no type of oversight you know I, although that's the way it gets spun it, it kind of goes to this idea of you you're, you're asking police officers you know sheriff's deputies in your case to take on all of these things that they're 
um, you know, that's really outside the scope of what they decided they want, you know, what their career path would indicate, you know, they're not counselors, they're not health workers, and they're dealing with huge amounts of stress. I've got some really good friends who are in law enforcement. And, you know, some of the story, if you have a couple beers, you know, some of the stories you're like, holy crap, dude. Um, so these things, you know, these things are all interconnected. You know, they, these things don't exist in silos. And I, I think this idea that defunding the police is probably arguably the worst, you know, either the best branding thing for one side of an ideology or the worst side for another ideology. It's, it's about sort of reallocating money, for, at least from my understanding of it, with people that are involved uh, deeply is it's, it's about making sure money's going in the right areas, you know, that you can address these needs and take some of that uh, burden off of the boots on the ground law enforcement officers that they're not equipped or trained or, or frankly have the inclination to want to deal with. Um, so is there anything else? I mean, cause in, and so mental health, obviously under the, um, under, you know, if we were doing an org chart, you know, there's Tom way up on top and then, <laughs> you know, right below the people. <laughs> and then, right. But I mean, in terms of execution, right, I get it. I get it, right. The obligatory, we work for the people, I get it. But in terms of the org chart, you know, then public health and then mental health as part of public health. So, you know, that was actually one of the things is just, you know, kind of a synopsis or your take on how well, um, you know, obviously the last 16 months has been unbelievably challenging from a county stand, or you know, from a national standpoint, and certainly a state and county, but what's your take on how, you know, if you were going to give a grade to the Carver County Public Health Department in terms of, uh, you know, throughout this entire process, managing mental health, um, you know, dealing with shutdowns, getting education out, executing on vaccines, what what kind of a grade would you give? Uh, I'd give them an A. Um, I you know. We, we again, I think you know, we don't have the issues of a county uh, on the massive scale of a county like Hennepin County right next door to us. And that, you know, that that that's sort of the way it is all across America. You know, they're doing stuff and they have issues in the big cities that we don't have out here. Now, don't hold it against us that we don't want to have those problems and we don't mean don't come here. Um, but you know, I, I do think it is the job of of the next ring suburb to go. Hey, that ring suburb didn't do something right, so why don't we do it different? We're kind of we're kind of seen as arrogant because we don't want a grid system, road system like they built after World War II or whatever. You know, we like cul-de-sacs. We like to use our geography, and but but you know, I I think we are. Our public health uh, department, human services department, is on top of it. Um, but again, we don't have the big problem, and I think that's why people like to live out here, uh, like the Hennepin counties. And so, when it, when a severe thing does happen, and you know, I don't, they don't call me up and say, "Hey, we got a bunch of severe cases," uh, but I mean we're equipped to take care of it. And so, um, you know, that's part of our, our great thing here in Carver County is, you know, everybody's working. I was very proud when I was in the legislature because a lot of statistics on legislative districts and I, my, my district 
from Victoria, Chanhassen, Eden Prairie, and up through Lake Minnetonka, it wasn't the wealthiest district in the state. I think it was third, but it had the least poverty. So people out here get up and they go to work. That fixes a lot of stuff. And so we don't have a lot of the problems that a Hennepin County does. And I'm not blaming anybody at Hennepin County. That's the nature of these dense urban cores. And so, but no, I think Carver County does a great job uh, with the size of it. We have the right number of employees to take care of it and they're doing good. So you want to talk about the, there was a lot to unpack on that one. I'm probably going to leave that one late just for a little bit, but let's talk about the execution from a vaccine standpoint. You know, I mean, we're sitting here in July of 2021, you know, the Delta variant is, is at least what I'm hearing is significantly more um, contagious, um, but we have a, a fairly high percentage of people that have received the vaccine. Um, from a vaccination standpoint, I mean, how are, what's your take on how well we're doing as a county? Um, we are, we are, uh, we rank third in percentage of uh, vaccination rate. We're the biggest of the three. Olmstead must be little, because I remember Olmstead was one of them. Heck, they got the Mayo Clinic, right? But I forget the, uh, the other one, but it was a smaller county. Um, but you know, we're, we're at number three. Um, you know, I'm not a big, that's, that in itself is becoming a very political debate about you know, what does it matter? And from masks to vaccinations and we gonna, are we going to make our children wear masks again at school this year? And that's starting to rage as a debate, but, um, you know, I, I uh, I would rather not get vaccinated for anything. I let millions of people get the Pfizer before I took it. <laughs> so, um, you know, a bunch of people tested out the deal. And I said, you know, I watched my mom at age 53 suffocate from emphysema to death. And, and you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to suffocate to death. And, you know, we just had a guy, uh, Former commander here uh, at the Chanhassen Legion, Gary Boyle, passed away. And I, you know, I talked to his daughter. Well, he found out he had you know, lung cancer in April, got the COVID, and that was it. You know, um, So he wasn't at an advantage. I don't know if he was vaccinated, and I'm not going to violate his health, uh, whatever. But, um, you know, it, it is a, it's, a, it's a personal, I think, choice for a lot of people. Uh, our, our, our government, our county government and public health is geared to, to do what they think will keep it from being an epidemic. And, and so I think they went in the right direction, but I think people at the end of the day still have to personally make the choice. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, as an elected official, force anybody to get it. And we can talk about... Um, ID cards and other things. Have you been vaccinated? I got one right here. Um, you know, it, what else should be on that ID card? Um, this is where the libertarian and workman comes out a little bit, but, um, you know, people have to make a decision about what they think is best for themselves and their family. And they don't always make the right decisions, but that goes up and down 
a whole list of things. So, right. It, it's a, you know, it, that wasn't where I was going to go with this at all, but I, pre, I wanted to give you a track to run because I thought that was interesting, but you know, it is a little bit of a different personal freedom choice than wearing a seatbelt, right? I mean, I wear a seatbelt doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to have an accident. So there's that component. I think, you know, the, from an ideological standpoint, it seems like this week, the, you know, the winds have changed a little bit. I mean, on a national level, because unfortunately this became a little bit more of an ideological, you know, it, it was pushed as more of an ideological choice as opposed to a public health choice. And so what's interesting is that people who, who generally were on the side, maybe less, not necessarily as, as aggressively advocating for getting vaccinated have seemed to kind of come around in the last couple of weeks. But that's a different topic. I, I just was, but I was thinking more in terms of just how well we're executing. I mean, if basically, if you're a resident of Carver County and you want to get a shot, you can basically get one within what, 24, 48 hours? I mean, in terms of um, within a week, I mean, there's scheduled events. Um, yeah, I think there was a, a Redbirds, Redbirds uh, Chanis and Redbirds baseball game. Come on, you can get one before that. You're in free. Uh, Chaska Cubs, I think, did the same thing. Come on down, uh, get a shot, and uh, watch a little baseball if you don't die from the shot. <laughs> but <laughs> but oh, which you go. won't. I'm, I'm positive you almost won't. And uh, so, no, there's a lot of different things. You have, <laughs> what are your odds? Your odds of getting killed are more likely in the car on the way over. <laughs> right. So. But, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to disrespect the you know people's I, I'm not, ideas. I'm, I'm not that are, I, I get it. People have. To, I, I'm not. That's not where I'm going. I'm just. I, no, well, I, I know you're not. I'm. You know, I'm just speaking for myself. That you know, because um, I like to add a little humor to fairly boring topics. But um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, we all have them in our family. Oh hell no, I'm not. You know, I'm not doing that, and I'm not doing this and that. And, well, all right, you know, and they're our Facebook friends and. You know, so, you know, we know them, but, uh, but when the government starts to kind of look at you, um, it, I think it can get a little overboard. And, um, you know, the president referred to a couple of states who said they weren't going to have mass mandates as Neanderthals. And, well, it didn't happen. Whatever, whatever the president thought. You know, they were going to have big disaster in Mississippi and somewhere else. Well, it didn't happen. And so, I mean, just predicting, I, I think people are getting tired of the doomsday uh, predictions. I mean, if you see the spike, you know, I, it was in the Wall Street Journal the other day. The spike was predicted spike, University of Minnesota, and everybody was through the rough. Well, it was only this big the spike compared to what, you know, so, so why come out and needlessly scare, you know, somebody would say the pro government person would say, well, the spike was going to be that high. We scared the heck out of you. So it was only that high. We win. Okay. Well, I don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I think everybody knows somebody who got it. I, I, if I know 10 people that have it, it affected them all differently, completely differently. So a very weird deal. And I, when, when do we get to sue the Communist Party of China to get back uh, all of our art money uh, and other things? But um, 
it just, I think, I think people have a healthy dose of skepticism about a lot of things, even before COVID and, and they don't necessarily, you know, trust this. I, you know, people ask me, did you get the shot? I said, yeah, I didn't really have any effects. I do feel like I, I should swear allegiance, allegiance to the communist party of China, but, but I, <laughs> well, on the upside, you know, your Wi-Fi is better, but <laughs> yes, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, that gets, starts getting into the late night radio and conspiracies and other things, but uh, you know, this came, it's a, it's a crazy world. And uh, I don't know. I, I felt great uh, and fine getting, getting the uh, vaccination. And uh, you know, I, I, I guess I would tell my family to do the same, but if they don't want to, that's their business. So. Yeah. No, I think everybody that everybody's got a story. I mean, I, my arm was a little sore for a day. And then the second time my arm was a little sore and about 24 hours later, I was super tired and I went to bed and, you know, I went to bed at like 5 PM and woke up at like nine the next morning. And that was about it. You know, and that's exactly the way I felt with the second shingle shot. Another thing I don't want to get. Well, and, and, you know, I was, was kind of wiped out the next day and, you know, they, they kind of predicted it, but, uh, uh, there's another thing I don't want to get. I know people who had shingles and holy mackerel. So yeah. yeah, it's no, it's no fun. I've got a client who's got it right now. And my daughter, when she, before she went to Asia the first time, she had a litany of shots that she had to get. And, you know, so she was wiped out for a day or two and, you know, but it's still better than the, it was for, it's certainly better than the alternative, you know, but um, okay. So we'll move on. We, I, neither of us are uh, epidemiologists. So, you know, nobody's really going to give a shit what we're what we think about the vaccine. Can you hear my dog snoring? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm listening closely. No, I don't hear that. Teddy. All right. <clears throat> so I was going to talk about, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about growth last time. And one of the things we didn't talk about is the interplay between the counties and the Metropolitan Council. Um, I've got Deb Barber scheduled to be on the show in a few weeks, but do you want to, do you need, do you want to weigh in? I mean, what are your thoughts on Met Council and uh, how do you, how do you feel as with respect to the relationship that, you know, Carver County has with the Met Council? Well, did you ask me what our relationship is? Well, how, yeah, your take on our relationship. I think it's good. I think it's okay. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's not a um, – it, it, I mean, I, I think the people heavily involved in that council believe it to be a model for the world, um, but it is not. I mean, it's a – multi-plus billion dollar taxpayer organization that is very, very, very far from any kind of elected representation. Every MPO, Metropolitan Planning Organization, like the Met Council around the nation is the same, except this one. This one does not have elected officials. They're appointed by the governor. And I'm going to blame just this governor. The previous, two previous governors, a Republican, didn't do really anything about it either. Because once a governor gets a power on stuff, they want to keep it. And they think a little too short term. 
Carver County, along with Dakota, Anoka, and Scott counties in the metro, have really sort of led a charge to try to change all of that legislatively. And we just don't win. It's an urban-centric organization. The transportation dollars are going there. Those MPOs, the Met Council, take the millions and billions of transportation dollars that come into uh, our region from the federal government, and they disperse them. I'm back on what's called the Transportation Advisory Board, and that's a 36-member board that decides where that money goes. There are, of the 36, um, there's seven county commissioners. Uh, I know Mayor, Mayor Windshuttle and Chask is on there <clears throat> as a city, so there's probably two, nine. I mean, there's, there's maybe one-third of the people deciding on billions of dollars of transportation dollars where the money's going, a third of them. Um, we're elected, but we're not elected as tab members. We're, you know, representing our areas. So um, it, it's not a model. I mean, it really isn't a model. They, they um, uh, when I'm governor, um, I'm going to likely change the model. They do a good job running our sewer system. Our environmental services of the Met Council runs all of our sewers. And that might be for another day, but I mean, that, that decides who gets to develop how and what. But that power, unelected power, the power of the sewer pipe helps them to dictate what they think our community should look like. And I've always said, you know, but for our unique geography, the Met Council wants Chanhassen and Maplewood to look and behave identically. They have a cookie cutter idea about density, affordable housing, everything. So it's gotten even more socialized and social manipulation at the Met Council, big powerful organization to tell Carver County and growing cities in Carver County how they're gonna, how they're gonna look. One of the earliest things I remember is when I ran for the city council in 1988. And they said in 1988 that by the year 2000, Chanhassen was gonna have 10,000 people. In 1988, Chanhassen had 10,000 people, 12 years before they thought. And so I've taken that all along the way. And every 10 years we do our comprehensive plans, they're predicting what all these communities are, are going to be and how big they're going to be. Well, it almost never seems to be accurate. So, right, but, the, but the Met Council is not who does the comprehensive plan. The cities, com, or the cities and the counties do comprehensive plans and submit to Met Council. Isn't that, is that correct. right? Or, okay. Oh, correct. Okay. Yeah, correct to their, to their template, yeah. So their predictions based on population are coming, are, are coming, I'm, I'm trying to get a feel for the direction, the flow. I mean, so the, the numbers that they're using to 
to kind of come up with the model is based on what the cities see as their preferred growth pattern. Is that not correct? Correct, but they have the final, final say. In other words, if the city of Waconia submits and says, well, we're going to be 50,000 people by the year 2030, Metcalf Council says, uh, no, you need to, to readdress that. Okay. No, no, it's a very, very over-looming organization. No, I get that. Hundreds of thousands want, of I, I get that. I'm just, for people who aren't familiar with it, I just wanted to try to make sure we were clear on the flow of it, how, how the interplay between it. That was really what I want to talk about. What, in, in, its, in its best version of itself, what was the intent? I mean, when, when did it really get established and what, what was its intent from your perspective? Well, old Jules Smith, my neighbor, the attorney, I don't know if you don't know that name, but he was on the Met Council, an attorney, and he was the attorney originally for Jonathan with uh, Senator McKnight and the whole thing. Lived across the street from me. All these crazy people that I've lived near over my years. Uh, I didn't say he was crazy. He <laughs> was a, one of the most intelligent people I knew. Nice save. But, but uh, and, he, and he talked to me early in my political career and told me to read a, a book from the 70s called Defensible Space. So pick it up or Google it, um, how we build neighborhoods and towns and cities uh, to defend ourselves. Uh, it is not what the urban core has done over the years. Mm-hmm. And so my neighbor, his Sunday paper is still on the driveway at three o'clock you know, I, he must not be home. I go pick up his paper. I put it on his step or something. So it looks like he's home, that kind of stuff. Little, big and little. But um, every city in a, however, cities we have in our metro, to, for all of them to go, we're going to all build our own sewer plants. That's not a, probably a good idea. Um, we're all going to run our own transit. Probably not a good idea. Um, so then it gets in sort of into the development stuff. But if, a few years ago, uh, I think it was Ham Lake. Well, we don't want to develop. We want to develop large lot. We want to do this. Man, the pressure that came down to them. No, we, we're going to run a pipe through your town and you're going to have three units per acre density. And it was this big fight and lawsuit and war. And, I, you know, no, we want to be who we want to be out here. Without, they, they have a big hammer. And so I, I want Chaska to be Chaska and Chanhassen to be Chanhassen. And, you know, they are different towns. But when there's this... I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're all the same because it's all the big same developers building the same big houses. How do we do something different? But the Met Council is that umbrella that's making sure we're all kind of doing the same thing. And, and yet, do they have, does MnDOT and, and uh, the TAB, Transportation Advisory Board, have any money in 20-year plans for Highway 5 by the Arboretum into Victoria that seem like we need that? It's not even on a 20-year plan. Mm-hmm. All the money is designated for renewal and redoing the roads more in the urban core. 
since my, my political career, we've been redoing the urban core over and over and over. Don't get me wrong. We need a healthy, vital urban core. We're probably at our lowest point in decades with that vitality because of a bunch of political issues. But um, when are we going to get ours out here? You know, we're growing. You know, we're, we need to do stuff. And thank God we have Lyndon Robjent, Public Works Director, Carver County. He's a genius and we're making great strides. But why are Carver County taxpayers paying for Highway 5? It's a state highway. Well, they're not interested. Mm-hmm. So MnDOT and Met Council are, are pretty pretty close together. And, you know, when Lyndon came in and he did a summary, he said, we got $850 million in need in Carver County. 212, Highway 5, 10, you know, big stuff. Well, little by little, we're chiseling away at that. Uh, you know, previous board passed a half cent sales tax. So now we have bait money, you know, to, to bring in more money. Um, but um, we're the number one fastest growing county in the state. Is the Met Council looking at us and going, hey, we, we better do something out there? Not at all. So... I don't know, you have to ask Deb Barber about that, and I like Deb, and I think she's doing a good job. And uh, but yeah, well, you give that's this is actually good stuff to. I'll, yeah, definitely, this will come up when we talk. So, and I appreciate your candor on this. I wanted to, I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to be respectful of your time. Last time we talked, well, first of all, I, I preface this. There is a great meme, and it's it's a picture of Abraham Lincoln, and it says, it's 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 a quote. It says half of the shit you see on the internet is fake. And then it's attributed to Abraham Lincoln. Now I (laughs) like, yes, I like that because there's also a statistic or there's also a quote. And if you look it up online, it's equally attributed to Mark Twain or Benjamin Disraeli. Right. And it's basically there's lies, damned lies and statistics. So I say that as a segue into this next section, because the last time when we talked, you said Carver County is the highest taxes in Minnesota, right? And so I started digging around. And when you, if you Google which county has the highest taxes, it comes up as Carver County. And I'm like, oh, interesting. But then when I kept looking at, because it's Google, right? So there's other little pull down menus and it's like, well, rank the counties and start going through all these different things. So I'm gonna throw out a bunch of random things that I found. Okay, so according to the New Tax Foundation analysis, Hennepin County actually has the highest tax because it's $3,336. And Carver's statistic is that it's 1.04% of the median home value, um, which makes it, but but then we also have the sixth highest income tax. Minnesota is is 21st nationally in terms of property tax relative to median. And, uh, and then the state's average is, the state's average is 1.08% um, compared to 1.07% nationally. So people are always complaining that taxes are too high. But then Carver County's is 1.04% of median value. 
So the little miss, the little miss Minnesota thing is that we're 10th in corporate tax, 26th in property tax, and 30th in sales tax. So I say all of that because as a non-statistic guy, I'm kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what does that mean? And the last well, are you time, saying we're not? Well, I'm, it's, I'm saying, are you saying it, we're not high. I'm saying at Carver County, well, if the state's average is 1.08% of the median uh, income and Carver's is 1.04% of the median income and that we are... Do you mean, is that income or is that home value? That's property tax... Is that relative, median home? That's property tax relative to home value. I'm sorry, it's, it's property... Okay, because you said it. I'm saying it wrong. It's, yeah, it's it, property tax relative to median income and property tax relative to value. And, and I guess what, I was, what I'm trying to get is some clarification around that. Because I think that, I guess my point was with the quote is that it seems like these numbers get kind of pushed around a little bit. And you as the person, you know, you, 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 last time you, had, you, you talked about, you know, that you could have children do this if basically it's just up the levy every year. Completely fair point. And, um, you know, and I kind of push back a little bit going, is it really, are we really, is it about, is it about trying to, you know, drive these numbers down as low as possible? Or is it about value? Because we also talked about $850 million of potential projects. We talked about the cost of the bridge, you know, relative, you know, over with what's going on with the Arboretum. I think we just, you, literally yesterday, there were a some of the commissioners and uh, elected officials for the connection of the trail that had washed out the LRT trail. Um, you know, we've got, uh, you know, there's just various things going on. We're the happiest county. We're the healthiest county. I mean, we have all of these things. And so I guess I wanted to have you speak to that a little bit with respect to value. Um, and that seems to be the, the conversation that a lot of people that, you know, when we talk about property tax, like you said, you've got people coming in. It, 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 this is a nice loop, by the way, to the way we started off, because you, we started this conversation with talking about the budget. And you said, you've got people coming in, and their concern is really about wanting their, their personal taxes lowered. But that but they but not in a position to address um, spending right? The spending, that's part of the budget because first of all, they're too late, but really their issue was really more about their assessed value. And we're in a marketplace right now where we've had rapid, you know, rapid appreciation on values. Um, and, and so I guess what I'm trying to get is your take on what's the value proposition for Carver County? Because ultimately that's what it boils down to. Because if, if people just thought, oh, Carver County has the highest property taxes, well, then they go live somewhere else. You know, I, I pick a different county. I'm not going to, I picked on another county last time and you came to my defense and we both kind of did a sort of a mea culpa, like, oh yeah, but it's still a nice place. So we're not going to mention <laughs> any county. Who was that? <laughs> is that Scott? <laughs> nice. Very stealthy. So, <laughs> but I, well, I, I just think their county commissioners should brush, brush their tooth every once in a while. That's all. I <laughs> <laughs> I, I know them well enough. It's Workman, W-O-R-K-M. <laughs> At Gmail, yeah. Okay. yeah. All right, but, this, I mean, but talk about, I mean, because you're the one, you're right in the throes right now of budgeting. Yeah. So I want to talk about value because the premise of the show, right? Best place to live, work, and raise a family. 
So Best doesn't, you know, it, it's not cheapest place to live, work, and raise a family. It's not necessarily the most expensive. It's the best. So talk about that as a value proposition because we talked about a bunch of things. And, you know, these things get thrown around. They get kind of get used as tools to push a particular agenda. But, I'm give, but I wanted you to address as somebody who executes on the budget and, and, and you know, uh, you know works through di distribution of funds that become available, random funds. Let's talk about the value proposition for Carver County. Well, that, uh, I'm looking up a word if I can. Um, uh, let me see if I can get it in. I, because Sister Cecilia is always in my head. I had a um, Sister Cecilia too. She had. She was very adept with a ruler. Yeah, same one. Uh, <laughs> specious. It's it's a specious question. I'm still not sure I'm using it right. Superficially plausible, but actually wrong. Misleading in appearance. <clears throat> it, it would depend on who you ask. So you're asking me. Mm -hmm. And I think if you asked my constituents um, who, who rely on me to get them a good value, would say they're getting a pretty good value. But what does that mean to everybody? Um, I don't know. It just seems too broad of maybe a question. And, you know, you, you could ask somebody at a stage of their life, um, you know, from people our age um, who are making maximum incomes and kids are out of the house and we have lower expenses, we'd say, yeah, I, from a lot of those people I get, actually I get, I'm not, I'm not paying enough in taxes. And I give them the address to our uh, finance department and tell them, send some in. You know, but so, you know, what, what's the statistic? 25% of property taxpayers have children in school. So 75% of us don't anymore. Who's getting the value? What, what is the value? The value for the people who have kids in school is probably greater than, than mine, my kids are out. I'm paying, paying for the public schools. In fact, I paid for the public schools and my children went to private schools for eight, nine years. That's when the value moves to the greater good. We gotta educate our kids. Just because my kids aren't in school, does that mean I no longer have to pay my by property taxes to the school, so there's the greater good value. Um, so I, I think, you know, and, and people who are maybe um, have young kids and they're, you know, I just met some people who moved in nearby, 26 year old people, they moved out here from Minneapolis. Um, he, I, he rolled his eyes about moving out of Minneapolis and is happy to be out here. I want to learn more about that. Um, but if they had kids and they had a kids in school and maybe aren't making a, a big living and, you know, that's when, that's when those people start looking at what's this property taxes on my mortgage, you know, 
and it's a bigger chunk of their income, you know, so we're, what's the value? So it, it, it depends on really where you're at. Um, I just think as a county commissioner, if I can get a better value for all of those taxpayers, not, not to harm a system like a school district or a public health department or, or the sheriff's department, you know, we could cut half of our deputies out. We could do, do like Minneapolis. Let's cut half of our staff at the sheriff's department. Wow, what a value. Now, don't expect them to show up uh, too quick. And I think that's going on in Minneapolis. Minneapolis is having the debate right now. What, what, what's the value of their police department? And they're going to have it on the, a bunch of it on their referendum this uh, fall. So we're really going to know what Minneapolis residents think about Minneapolis police and, and everything else. So I don't think we should cut back on our, on our sheriff's department. But if there was an opportunity to do so, save the taxpayers money to do it better, differently, cheaper, I'm always looking for that. So, um, you know, a lot of our government is on autopilot, so to speak. Cost of living, people want to make more. We have to retain good employees. That's, that's a very difficult task in the sheriff's department keeping people from moving on to the DNR or another city, or we had somebody move to Chaska, move on to Chaska. So, um, I mean, I, I gotta pay, we gotta pay them more. And I think I said before, you know, if there's 10 unions at Carver County, back when I started, it seemed like we were doing a little union negotiating every three years or so. It's every year and constant all year now, it's just this constant deal. Health insurance for our employees. We got bad news for next year, where our rates are gonna go. Now what, is this a good time to slash our county budget? Commissioner Uderman, brand new guy. Why don't we just say we're gonna, you know, we're, our employee numbers are going to stay the same within inflation. No more. But we see, you know, we're going to, we're going to add, we're a 700, 750 employee operation. We're going to keep adding 20 a year. Do we need to? I mean, that's what we have to look at. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't our taxpayers be safer if we doubled the number of deputies we had? In, it, in itself, it would be, boy, that would be pretty valuable. You'd never go outside and not see a sheriff's deputy driving by. We'd maybe even be safer. And so what's that value? That's the political debate. What, what do we, what are we spending our money on? And does it translate into a value? I think most people in Carver County love it here. If you, I, I asked and stopped the, the county from, paying for, and like a lot of cities do every two years, they, they put out a questionnaire and ask the residents, what do you think of our parks? What do you think of, you know, what do you think of everything else? What's the name of that organization that sends you that stuff when you buy a car? Um, oh, I, yeah, I know. JD Power. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's like a JD Power thing. Guess what? You sent, I just bought a new car. You sent me a thing. I don't want to say I bought a piece of crap. Good, 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 good. 
Ask me in five years when it's not new, and I'll tell you. But every year, if you looked at all these surveys of residents, they're almost identical. Mm -hmm. Every year, they're identical. Love the parks. Libraries are great. Do-do-do, do-do-do. People want to say they live in a crap hole. You get it, but you know what I mean? So I, I, I just think, again, and I, I think I might have stated it before, I think the government has enough elected officials defending it to the T and willing to spend more to, to whatever value we're getting. It'd be nice to have more of them say, let's, let's pull back. The government is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Again, that council is not elected, um, but you know, if you if you've got elected officials saying, you yeah, know, okay, whatever whatever the county administrator says, you know, ten percent levy increase, fifteen, whatever, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that so we can pay the employees more. No, I think you, you, that's not my role. My role is to say, how can I get an even better employee and pay them less? I mean, that's that's a business model, right? Mm-hmm. No, nope, we're just going to keep paying, and you know, and. I mean, we've implemented, uh, you know, more performance-based. Uh, it's caused some ripples at Carver County. But rather than just giving you the steps and lanes, the way school teachers get paid, my wife, oh, you got that many years in, boop, you get this, you know, boop, boop, you know, your education level and everything else like that, just a grid, it's all, there it is, you know. Well, that doesn't make her perform any better. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to do that. I just think you have to look a little harder if we can get the same value in Carver County for less money, I'm not sure why we wouldn't do that. Right. I, I don't you imagine know. you'd get, I don't imagine you're going to get pushback from anybody on that idea. I just thought as the person who's in charge of, you know, deciding what goes on the budget and what doesn't go on the budget, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, people who have concerns about their taxes being too high, it's usually related to their assessed value. By the way, they're the people who call me and say, hey, can you tell me, you know, here's my assessed value. What do you think, you know, how, do, how can I get this down? And tell me, they, call me. Well, the answer that I always tell them is, well, would you sell it for that? You know, if I brought you a cash deal, would you take That's it? not what I would say. <laughs> I understand that, but, but they want me to, they want me to try to pull a rabbit out of my hat and try to give them something that would, you know, to justify the numbers down. And the, and you know, if the answer is no, hell no, I wouldn't take that. My house is worth way more than that. Well, then it's hard to complain that your value is too high. Right. If it was like, Oh, hell yeah. Well then maybe we've got something to talk about. You know, if well, yeah, I mean, that's all in relationship to a similar homes. I mean, and we find right. those, you know, we find that you're overtaxed compared to a similar home. It's not an exact science. That's why right. I tell them to call me. But, you know, we, we've got a, I think the school district 112 is doing a referendum. One of their main selling points is, well, our operating is half of what these surrounding schools have. So we've only got eight or 900 per pupil in operating. Minnetonka has got 1,700 in operating. Isn't that, shouldn't they be celebrating that? Should they be saying, man, we're, we're operating 
and teaching kids at half the operating cost? I mean, that, that's, a, that's an incredible statistic. They're using it to say we need more money, right? And, you know, maybe they should. I got to look closer at it. But my first instinct was, why are you using that as a negative? That, I mean, congratulations, District 112. You're operating this whole thing on half of what the school districts around us are doing. I mean, it, it's, it's that government brain um, in, in the value equation. I, we're getting a heck of a value. I'd like Carver County. I'd like, I don't want to be just like Scott County. I want to do better than Scott County at a better, better price. You know, so um, I don't know that that government thinking. Um, and one of the one of the things that pops up often is, well, they're doing it. Why do we even have counties? You know, let's just all do the same thing. You know, so I I I, I think you want creative brains and and. Boy, if you can't be creative in Carver County to do things, we have an opportunity. We don't have the problems of the big counties. We don't have the problems of the little counties. We're in the honey spot to do a lot of great things. And But I, I think, you know, yeah, I, the highest taxed and the lowest taxed aren't too far away from each other. And I'd rather be near or lower Again, I think my constituents want me to try to find the best value, just like I try to find the best value buying a car for my family or, or anything else without being ridiculous, you know? Well, right. Um, and I mean, I like the car example because not everybody, people don't all drive Yugos. You know, there's, there's different values. And that's what I was getting at is what, you know, where you see the value. I mean, we've got the right, do we have too much policing, not enough policing, just the right amount of policing? What do we have, you know, too many trails? You know, one of the discussions you, you, early on, you said, okay, I don't have kids in school anymore. You know, so then it's like, okay, wait a second. Does, you know, there's actually, I tend to see, it's not people my age saying, I want to pay more because I don't have kids in school. It tends to go, you know, and unfortunately, that's, that would be people's better angels, right? But it generally is more on the side of, well, I don't have kids in the school, so, you know, what the hell? And there's a less of an inclination to want to pay in. It, it, it's almost reverse of what you were, of the example you used, because you see people that have kids in the school, they're very, they tend to be, use a referendum, for example, very pro-referendum, right? And people who don't have kids in the schools tend to be um, tend to be against the referendum. But both of those are sort of myopic views, you know, because it's, it's it's a broader question than that. Do we have the space to adjust to the growth? Nobody's mad if you own a house. You're not mad because your property values are going up, right? Right. And you know you don't well, like it's it. Well, it's a false sort of a false sense of security, but well, but but you're not unhappy with it. You certainly people weren't happy in 2009 when the values of their house was going down, you know. So they they want that, and so it's finding that you know it's like okay, what what are some of the pillars that support that beyond cheap money? And it's you know the quality of that lifestyle, that whole you know happy Minnesota's happiest county, Minnesota's healthiest county. You know, the, the, the miles of trails, the number of parks, the, the libraries. I mean, our libraries are palatial compared to my, my niece and nephew, you know, grew up out in Los Angeles. I mean, they're terrible. 
you know, the schools were terrible. When they had expansions on the schools, they were basically like construction trailers that were sort of, you know, daisy chained to a uh, building that was built right after World War II. You know, when my when they would come to town and they saw the schools, their jaws dropped at how, you know, just like, wow, this is, these are, these are beautiful buildings. So that's what I was getting at, Tom, was the value. I'm not, I'm not pimping you about the taxes one way or the other. I'm just trying to say, okay, let's, let's talk about this in a broader context. And that's really what I appreciate about you, having you on and why I wanted to give you another hour is to, because you, you, you're not, you're not candid. I mean, you're not, you're not shy about it. You're candid. You, 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 you put out these things for people to think about because they, people need to think about it from multiple perspectives. And I liked your business analogy of if I can get more for less, why is that a bad thing? Right. So, but I want to be respectful of your time. We're coming up on an hour here and um, you know, I really appreciate this. Uh, you know, this is a fun conversation. Well, it's good fun. So, <laughs> You know, be more fun if we had beer, but it's, you know, it's still morning. So it is Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I, I appreciate the opportunity, Greg. Uh, uh, I, I think it's a flaw um, in the, this. You're, you're not just an interviewer. You're, you're a little bit of a debater. And I like that. I mean, I, I think we have way too many politicians running around this country who are talking about stuff and it's not a debate. It's for some reason nobody debates anymore, and and is has to be held a little bit accountable for what they're trying to do and say in public office, and um, so most of the voting public is just sort of having to deal with however a newspaper writes a headline or or whatever else. But um, we have a lot of that in the Congress. I don't I don't think there's a debate face-to-face debate anymore. Uh, let's start with the deficit and have, have an honest debate. It doesn't even get talked about. It didn't even get talked about in the presidential election. And so I, I have worries on, on a lot of those things. But let's have a debate and talk about what, what we're doing. And um, it just doesn't seem to happen very often. So it's always fun, fun to talk. Um, well, I hope I wasn't, I wasn't trying to debate. I was just trying to push back a little bit because otherwise, you know, you could have just done this as a monologue and, right. and I want to have, I want people to have context, you know, it, it, it's easy to, for people to come on and just kind of go, okay, here's, here's what I think. And not, if there's no pushback, there's no context. So then, okay, where are people coming from? That's really what we're trying to do with this whole, that's the whole point of the podcast is to have these conversations and go, all right, well, you know, what do you say to this? How do you, you know, let's talk about this. And, right. you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn, you know, I keep trying to learn, um, you know, as we do this. And that's the thing I like best about it is very rarely do people, I can never has someone in the podcast said, well, how's the market? You know? <laughs> like, I was like, I, it's like the thing I want to talk about least is like, how's the market? You know, it's more like, let's talk about these things. So we have context so we can have, we can have civil conversations around this stuff. And so I appreciate you playing and, you know, kind of, you know, going, you know, being able to go a little bit deeper on this stuff because it's, it's, these things have, without context, it just becomes this, well, oh, you're, you're of this party, so you must be right. Or you're of this party, you must be right. And, and, you know, that doesn't serve us. I, I don't think there's, you know, the commissioners, when I think about, 
local government, it's the most boots on the ground way of impacting citizens' lives. I mean, what happens, what Amy Klobuchar is doing today, probably not going to, I'm not going to notice. You know, I mean, yeah, these things have to function. There, there are layers in terms of where think decisions have to be made. But, you know, in terms of what the county commissioners are voting on, that impacts my family, that impacts, you know, my friends, my, you know, the people, my neighbors, you know, when they need social services, they're there. I've got, you know, a, some, a, somebody that I know that's going through some stuff and, and they're involved with social services. You know, we've, you know, we've got friends in law enforcement. I mean, the, you know, this is about is boots and most tangible um, uh, impact on people's lives on a day-to-day basis. And so, and there's not a place, you know, with the demise of local papers and things, there's not a place, and, and certainly the last year without pe- people actually being together face-to-face in coffee shops, these conversations aren't happening. So I really appreciate you being on and, and being as open and uh, transparent as you are. And uh, I always like our conversations. And uh, so I really appreciate it. I'm going to stop recording right now.